0: Good morning, church. I don't think it's too cold outside, and it's a little bit warm in here this morning, so good morning, church. Good morning. It's a great privilege to be here this morning again to share the Word of God. And like we know, we have been on the series of Living in Exile, so we're continuing in that series, which has been focused on challenging us on what it means to follow Jesus every day of our lives. In the past weeks, we have seen that living in exile means to live as citizens of heaven. Live as citizens of heaven during our stay on this side of life. We've also explored the fact that this means living distinct, that we're not drawn into the culture that we find ourselves. And what is this culture? a culture that is in stuck, and when I say stuck, I mean stuck opposition to God. And therefore, our choice for everyone that is a child of God, for everyone that calls themselves a Christian, would be to live faithful to God. So this morning, we're going to be continuing in this series, and we're looking into Daniel chapter six. We're looking into the story that says, Into the Lion's Den. I know this is quite uh, popular Sunday school story, and for anyone that is not familiar with this story, we are going to read it later on. But the highlight of the story was that Daniel was thrown into the den of lions for their evening meal, and he survived to tell the story that we are reading today. And for us as Christians, we believe that this is a demonstration of faith, as described in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, which I'm going to read, hopefully it should come up. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. And that's talking about Daniel. And for Daniel, when he was questioned about this miraculous deliverance, he could say in Daniel chapter 6, verse 22 My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they could not hurt me. So, looking at this story, Daniel's miraculous deliverance is our focus this morning. How did he triumph in the face of hostility and opposition? How did he survive a planned assassination by his colleagues? What lessons can we learn in dealing with times of trials, hardship, persecutions, name it? How can we keep trusting God through it all? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity again this morning to be gathered before your table. Well, thank you because your word says the entrance of your word gives light. I pray for every one of us that is sat in this room listening this morning and for those watching at home that your light will come and that your light will give freedom. And your light, oh God, we cause us to continue to walk faithful, trusting you that you are God. Holy Spirit, take control. And speak through me, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be inviting Christine to come up to read our Bible text, which is Daniel chapter 6. Christine, please, can you come up? So she'll be reading Daniel chapter 6 from verses 1 to 28. Can
1: Daniel in the den of of lions, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could only find, they could find no, no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, and neither corrupt nor ne- neglig- negligent. <laughs> yeah. um, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps were, went in as a group to the king and said, oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edit and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes Ma- and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to your you, working or to the decree you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went to a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edit that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel went, was lifted from the den, a wound, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue you a decree that in every part of my kingdom People must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power, powers of the lion. Sir Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Thank you.
0: Thank you you very much. That was a long one, but I think it's very important that we understand what happened, how Daniel ended up in the lion's den how he survived it. And just like we read in Daniel chapter three, for us that have been following the series, we see another miraculous deliverance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered from the fairy furnace of the king. And Daniel's encounter is another one from the story that we have read that beats any imagination. And so in exploring this miraculous deliverance this morning, I want us to draw lessons from the attitude as well as actions of Daniel and all the key players in this story. And I'll be challenging us with some questions. So let us start by looking at the first question, examining what led to Daniel being fed to the lions. And that's taken from Daniel chapter 6 from verses 3 to 4, and I'll be reading the amplified version. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps try to find ground for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. If we go to verses two to three before that, we're told he was appointed by the king. So this is very similar to being appointed into the cabinet office, which is a serious as well as an important position for the country. And it's an assignment that required accountability and Daniel distinguished himself to the extent that he was considered for a promotion. However, his two colleagues did not feel that way. They felt threatened, and hence trying to find fault with his work. So the second question, why was it hard to fault Daniel? If we cast our mind back to the first time we encountered Daniel, the young Daniel in chapter one, He was forcefully taken from his country, separated from his parents, his friends, and all that was familiar, and he was brought to this country called Babylon. But in getting to Babylon, he was determined to live by God's standards. So his attitude as well as actions were God-led. Hence, he was incorruptible as well as trustworthy. And Bible scholars believe that Daniel, at this time, that we're looking at him in, in chapter 6, was 80 years old. So that adds another dimension to the story. He had remained consistent and faithful. So that would be from perhaps his childhood down to being a young adult in chapter 1 where we first encountered him. And now even in his old age, he was still faithful. Faithful. So Daniel's work with God reflected in his everyday life. Therefore, he excelled in his work. And we know in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, he says, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So his work ethics and no doubt his everyday life could not be faulted. Despite the fact that he was serving a pagan government, the government that had destroyed his country, remember he was in exile, his attitude and actions could easily have been drawn into the prevailing culture of compromise. Rather, Daniel's choice was to be a salt and a light. He chose to be a salt and a light. In Matthew chapter 5, from verses 13 to 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot." And verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, the third question, do I add value where I am? Am I an example for others to see? Even though our focus this morning is on Daniel, I believe there are lessons to be learned from King Darius and Daniel's colleagues. The colleagues felt threatened by Daniel's competence, lack of compromise, as well as faithfulness. And for these colleagues, there was a sad but interesting end to their story. They and their families got fed to the same lions that didn't destroy Daniel. And that proves to us it was an angelic intervention that prevented Daniel from being eaten by the lions. Remember, Daniel was put in that place overnight, and nothing happened to him. But when those people were thrown in, the Bible records that before they got to the ground, they were overpowered and were torn in pieces, and their lives ended, sadly. So we see that their evil action led to the loss of their own lives and their families. And for us, this is a reminder that poor decisions does not only affect you, but those you love in ways you might never have imagined. So still thinking about the conspiracy plot by these colleagues, they wanted to get rid of him. Only They could only succeed at this because the king was implicated. Note that Darius was another king. Remember in chapter one, it was a different king. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. And now down the line in chapter six, we see Darius, another king in the long life of Daniel. So Daniel has seen kings come and go. And let's just think about what is happening outside now. We've seen kings come and go. You can ask Boris Johnson. You could also ask Lee Truss. I don't want us to get drawn into the politics of what is happening, but let's just remember that kings come and go. And when we look at kings coming and going, we see governments, we see human institutions, we see selfish ambitions, we see greed overriding what people have been elected to do doing in politics. Like I said, we'll not get drawn into that. So thinking about Darius now, he allowed himself to feel he could become a temporary god. Can you think about that? That some people come with a foolish idea to tell you he could be a god for one month, 30 days. His whole kingdom will worship him. And then this made him to discard reason. Or better still, not to reason through what he was asked to do, A decision he later regretted. So another question. Are your decisions guided by what God directs? Or by someone? Or how people make you feel you are or you are not? I'm going to repeat that again. The decisions you are taking or the decisions you want to take, is it guided by God? Or someone? Or how people make you feel you are or you are not. Ponder about that for a minute. But I want us to think again about Daniel. How did Daniel react to the king's, no prayers but Darius' decree? So despite the known consequences, Daniel chose to pray to the king of kings. He did not decide it was time to take a 30 days holiday. After all, the decree was just for 30 days. He gave thanks, despite knowing that this might be his last opportunity to do so. In verse 10, the Bible says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. In his upstairs room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So what can we learn from the life of Daniel? His attitude and action in the face of challenge. Daniel continued to do what he had always done. Daniel prayed. He prayed in his house. He gave thanks. He knelt down. He opened his windows towards Jerusalem. He was not ashamed, neither was he afraid to hide in the face of being punished, the punishment of being eaten by lions. The attention for Daniel was not on himself. It was not, poor me, old Lord, what am I going to do? He turned his attentions away from himself. I want to believe that through the long dark nights with the lions, he continued to pray and thank God. Through the long, dark night in that day, that smelly, because I'm sure the lions were regularly fed with humans or whatever, so it would have been damp, it would have been smelling of blood, it would have been awful. He would have continued to pray. A similar difficult story in the New Testament was of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. I will encourage us to read it. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read that story. Paul and Silas were arrested, they were beaten, their feet were put in a stock, and they were down in that dark prison. I'm sure it's not the prisons we have these days. They were there. Imagine being beaten. Imagine your feet held stiff in a place you can't move. And the bible says in acts chapter 16 verse 25 it says about midnight so we see another nice thing here paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening to them so they were not singing quietly they were singing loudly in spite of the pain can you beat that they were beaten they switched their attention from themselves they switched their attention from the pain to praise the God that had the power to save them. And verse 26 says, Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. God delivered them. Life, we know, is full of darkness and nighttime seasons. Some things happen That makes it unfair. For everyone here listening or everyone sat here, we've experienced this saying that says life is not a bed of roses. If you look at Psalm 23, and I'll also encourage us to read it again. Psalm 23, written by David, is a description of life's journey. We all know life is a journey, there is a beginning, there is an end. And in between, a lot of things happen. But Psalm 23 gives us that graphic description of our journey on earth. It talks about God's provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall know what. It goes on to talk about his guidance and also his protection. I'm bang in the middle of Psalm 23 in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Note that it's a walk through. It's a walk through the darkest valley, not staying in the darkest valley. It's therefore a night season, and nighttime is not forever. Nighttime is not forever. How you respond and what you say matters during nighttime seasons. How you respond and what you say matters during those dark times, the choice is yours. Would you pray? Will you thank and praise the God that shut the mouth of lions, the God that opens the prison door? You may say to me, no, 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 you don't know me. It's all right for you to say all the things you are saying. Mine is different. 2022 has been a wonderful year for me as a person. It's been ups and downs. April this year was like a tipping point for me. And I had to sit down and spend some time in prayer. Some of my friends and sisters here in church will be aware of what has happened. And when I mean tipping point, it was a tipping point that I had to take time off and say, God. What is this? The most challenging one that I just want to share is about a friend, a very dear friend, that was so close to me that I would, I I sort of nicknamed her my replacement husband. And why would I say that? Each time I pick the phone to call her, she's there to listen, she was there for me all the time. And bang, she died and my whole world was like crashing all over again. And I had to take time out to say, God, what's happening? I don't understand again. And I know I studied the book of John while I was sitting before the table and asking God questions. And reading through John, I saw I am, I am, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd, I am, I am, I am. And I came back with I am, that means he is. So wherever situation you are in now, I am. I want you to hold on to that, that I am the bread of life. In that difficult situation, he tells you that he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And towards about a month ago, october the 10th precisely while doing my devotions and it was from our daily bread and the reading that says happy thanksgiving and that meant something new to me all over again happy thanksgiving how much do i give thanks to god that i can wake up in the morning and my life is something to give thanks to god for that I'm not stuck in Castle Hill or Hall Royal with my legs hung up is something to give thanks to God. That we're sat in this room, like I would always say, that we're not afraid nobody's going to bust into this door with AK 47 <mand implemented> is something to give thanks to God for. That you are where you are today is a journey, and that journey has an end. And for every child of God this morning, be assured that you are walking through, you are not staying in that darkness. So I just know one thing, and I've experienced it over and over again. I am serving a big God. I am serving a big God, bigger than all the challenges of the whole population of the world rolled into one. The God we are serving is bigger than anything that you can imagine. And I tell you, he's not a minute confused over your matter. He's not a minute confused. So what can we learn from the life of Daniel? The second thing is Daniel's faith in God granted him victory. A miraculous preservation and deliverance. The lions did not eat him up. He was released by the king. The king could not save him, but God, the creator of heaven, and all the creatures on earth did. 1 John 5 says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So what can we learn from Daniel? Victory and blessings at the end of trials. Trials. Daniel's faith in God made him walk the way he did. Even though this led to an assassination plot, the faithful God preserved his life, and rather than him being destroyed, what happened? God saved him. God saved him. He got promoted yet again. The promotions the enemies wanted to deny him of. Sometimes, the answer of the breakthrough may not come the way we want or expect, but God will come through. Some few years back, I came to this country to do my PhD, and I was doing a job that I loved, and I really loved the job. And I got here, and I got stranded. And when i mean god stranded the promise to sponsor me everything just stopped and it was a difficult period it was very difficult and all the prayers that i was praying seemed not to be answered because it was like it was there was no going back for me that was not what i was praying for and i'm standing here this morning not for those prayers that i prayed for what i wanted but for god's Purpose and plan for my life coming to pass. So, those prayers might not come out answered the way you want it, but God will surely come through. I want to remind us as I begin to close that the prolonged fire of afflictions and trials does not mean you do not have faith. Particularly when you see others you've joined to pray for, for the very same things you are believing God, get their answers and you do not. I want to reassure you that victory lies in an unconditional trust in God's sovereignty. The blessing also is not to waste the time, but grow through it and be changed for the better. So let's leave a victim's mentality to a victor's mentality. In conclusion, what should be our attitude and our action in a culture of compromise? a culture that makes mockery of the things of God. Like Daniel, will you be a light and a salt in the face of difficulties and pain? Like Daniel, will you turn your attention from you or the situation to him who knows and sees the bigger picture? Will you demonstrate your trust by fighting your battles with praise and thanks given to him? who has your best interest at heart. Please can the band come up. Will you demonstrate your trust by fighting your battles, with praise and thanksgiving to him who has your best interest at heart. I don't know what you are passing through but like I said our God is bigger, our God is greater, our God is powerful, he is the God that loves us so much that gave his son Jesus and he's the same God yesterday, today and forever. The God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den. That same God still delivers today. This is another opportunity for you to ask of him if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. And if you are struggling, please don't leave this room without coming forward for prayers. If you are almost giving up, please don't leave without coming up for prayers.